At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rival. Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports betting landscape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We begin our number two, Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw. I look up. I have a very good conversation with Mike Parney. Always appreciate Mike joining us here on Betting Across America every Saturday. And I'd mentioned that I'd switched my pick during the week. I had Carolina Kovakevich. I switched it over to Felice Herrig. Not a good switch. Carolina Kovacavich looked like the woman we thought would challenge Joanna Young Jacek years ago for the crown at 115. Now, I don't know all these years removed where that energy came from, but she gets a rear naked choke, doesn't even do it with the hands. Gets this fight down to the ground and uh, gets that RNC. She ch- uh, slaps in that choke on Felice. A lot of mutual respect there. Hey, if you're going to lose one, that's who I'd like to lose to. Class act with Kovacavich as she moves on and gets the victory. Maybe pump some life into her career at 115 pounds. So congratulations to her. Getting ready to start the main card there. We'll keep a watchful eye. I look up at the memorial in a mall. Remember I'd said, hey, Cam Smith stays about three back. Maybe I'd like to get in on some of that action. Uh-oh. Billy Horseshoes is making a run out of the gate here. And right now he's got a Four-shot lead over the field, and I look up, you can still get plus money right now in-game for Billy Horschel to win this tournament at plus $1.25 is what I'm seeing here with a four-shot lead. Look, it's Saturday. He's playing the 14th hole. The other guys still have some, some ground they could make up. But all of a sudden, you look at the rest of the leaderboard and you go, where's the chasers going to come from? So very interesting. If I offered you right now still plus money, Plus dollar twenty five mm-hmm. with a four shot lead as we sit here on a Saturday afternoon. Would you take Billy Horseshoes against the field? I would. You got Molinari at minus eight, and Neiman at minus eight, Wise and uh, List at minus eight. I would. I mean, because Cam Smith, what has happened to you, sir? Falling down the wayside. I believe he's. I believe he's five back right now. Uh, so not a good day here for Cam Smith, who was the leader, by the way, coming into this uh, round three action, but he is taking a sidestep here at the Memorial at Jack's place. We'll keep an update there, but right now looking pretty good for Billy Horseshoes. Let's talk a little Major League Baseball here and and see some of these games here that you might have uh, some thoughts on. Uh, First of all, you know, I don't know if you saw what John Boy Media did on on Twitter this morning, but they put out with the Tigers and the Yankees yesterday and showed the young starting pitcher for the Tigers yesterday the art of tipping your pitches. And all of a sudden, in what was a one nothing, two nothing Yankee game, got to ten nothing. 
very quickly with some rookies that were tipping their pitches. So go there and check out John Boy Media if you want to see how this plays out in real time and how Major League Baseball players are so adept at figuring nuances out of pitchers. And you wonder, like, well, it's like they're, they're hitting like they know they're, it's coming. They do. If you start tipping your pitches, that's a bad way in the major leagues. These guys are just too good at it. And by the way, Josh Donaldson was the guy that started reading and giving those tips back to the Yankees. That's legal, by the way. If you're tipping your pitches and I figure it out, that's on you as the pitcher, not, not me as the hitter. I wonder today if you see any scenarios here, uh, let's say with the D-backs and the Pirates coming up, if there's ever a pitcher that you go, because you Darvish did this infamously years ago where he couldn't get outs. And you're like, how is you Darvish with this stuff pit throwing in the hundreds? How are these guys lighting them up? He was tipping his pitches. Yeah. Sometimes if you know, I don't care how great you are, Maul, if these guys know what you're throwing, I don't care how hard you throw, how good your stuff is, that's half the battle right there in Major League Baseball. Well, I tend to agree with you. I mean, these guys are so good, whether it's the pitchers or the hitters. You know, if there's a little bit of an edge, Whew. you're going to see a huge difference in terms of the result. So that's what you want to make sure with young pitchers sometimes in the bigs coming up. You're going to see this a lot, certainly when you get to September with the call-ups. Remember, they might have great stuff, and this kid from Detroit has great stuff. Yeah. If you're tipping your pitches, you've got no shot against some of these lineups here, certainly with the Yankees. Uh, what do you make of some of the games today? And again, the Yankees right now, I believe, are still leading uh, the Tigers here in their action this afternoon. Uh, anything that's caught your eye so far this weekend as a trend to follow or just individually in the games that you might like? Well, you know, the game that I like is tonight between the Dodgers and the Mets um, under nine. Mm. Dave, we had an eight and an eight and a half in this series so far. Thursday was an eight. Friday was, uh, or excuse me, Thursday was eight and a half and yesterday was an eight. And now you got a nine with Walker Buehler on the mound and got roughed up in his last start by Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I expect him to be far more effective in this uh, performance at Dodger Stadium, night game, ball doesn't travel as well with, nope. uh, well with the marine layer air there. And now this number has come down to eight and a half. Doesn't come as much of a surprise to me. I was texting a friend of mine this morning, and he goes, who do you like? I said, I like the Dodgers on nine. I said, play it right now because I'm telling you this game is going to hit eight and a half. Well, here's the thing, too. The Mets all of a sudden can't, they haven't brought the sticks out west. They, they've left those bats in New York. Because remember, the Mets were, again, you can look at all the data, and certainly it does suggest they don't necessarily have a, a high, you know, hard hit rate, if you will. And they were getting it done maybe a little bit with smoke and mirrors. We were waiting for the regression of the Metropolitan's offense to happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's starting to show itself in the series in L.A. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, look, this team has played extremely well, but they're in a weaker division. Sitting at 35-19, and 19, they did come into this series with the best record in baseball, mm -hmm. and or at least in the National League, excuse me. And now the Dodgers have gotten it for two games, but... The one thing you look at the Mets postseason-wise, they have an advantage with pitching because DeGrom's not there, Scherzer's not there yet. Nope. And I'm telling you right now, for me, a healthy DeGrom and Scherzer are better than anybody that the Dodgers are going to throw out there. And that's the thing. Again, you might want to think about fading the Metropolitan's individual games like you're having on this West Coast swing against the Dodgers, but I wouldn't do it long-term mm -hmm. because of what you just said. I think there's fool's gold in believing that they're going to come back to the pack yeah, we'll find that the Phillies, by the way, fired Joe Girardi yesterday. So they've got a, a new manager in there now who is basically a, a Girardi disciple. Right. But, you know, they're still confident. I heard Dave Dombrowski, the GM, say, we're going to make the playoffs. And I was like, oh, you are? Philadelphia? Okay. But you've got to show up a lot of things if you want to get there. The Mets are going to get help pitching. Yeah. And arguably two of the best in the game. Now, we're anticipating they come back and they're going to be healthy, and that's what you're wagering on if you're going to play the Mets here. But look, at to win the East right now, minus $5? I mean, I'm not going to weigh that because I still have to make sure that DeGrom and Scherzer are healthy. But if they are, that number's only going to get, it's going to get bigger. It's not going to get less. I still think they win the division regardless if they have DeGrom or Scherzer. Wow. I, because I think when you look at these other teams and how far back they are, um, you know, to me, I think it really becomes a challenge from the standpoint that it's hard to make up that many games, even if a team goes on a bit of a slide. You have to get so hot, and the other side, the other team has to play so poorly. Eight and a half back, eight in the loss column for Atlanta. Game under 500. I thought the loss of Freddie Freeman was huge for that team. You know, it's interesting, too, when you look at the Brewers, minus 350 to win the Central with the lead they have now. And again, the Cardinals are the one chasers. But look at the rest of the division. You go, Cubs are 80 to 1. Pirates are 200 to 1. The Pirates should be 1 to 1 if they're playing the Dodgers. Past that, Reds 500 to one. I know Sean King hopped on them a little bit. You would need a, it feels like to me, 
the the Brewers would just have to forget how to hit the baseball. And sometimes they go into their, their patches where they don't score enough runs. But the bullpen is so good with Hader at the back end. I don't see a scenario there short of injury that they fall apart. And then the Dodgers, it still feels like that's decent value, if you can believe it, at minus 350. Unless you really think the Padres, the Giants have already had their early swoon here. That feels like a two-horse race already out west. Is it to you just Dodgers or bust in the west? Uh, I, it's not even close. I mean, you know, the Padres can't score offensively, Dave. Nope. When you look at this team, they struggled to score. Musgrove's been outstanding. But the reality of it is they need Tatis back in the lineup to get that offense going. If he's back in there, I think you could see a different uh, scenario for them. But I think Dodgers have just too much talent across the board. When you look at today's matchup for the Padres and the Brew Crew, we mentioned sometimes the bats go wayward uh, with those teams. And you got Mackenzie Gore back out there on the bump against Aaron Ashby. The, the total is seven. Is that a little bit too low for your liking? Or do you say, you know what? I just don't trust the offenses. No, I don't trust the offenses. And you bring up a good point in this game because Ashby's been terrific for this team so far this year. And you look at this, uh, um, excuse me, Milwaukee team offensively, they've had their issues as well. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good opportunity if you potentially like, uh, if you're an under better. It's always tough at Miller Park because we know the offenses can put up some runs there. But this is a uh, what appears to be a much slower scoring game. Gore also really comes in with an even better number than Ashby at the ERA at 1.71. A bad beat alert. Game one of the series, mm-hmm. I had under eight and a half. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. Those are the ones that stay with you. Yeah. Those are the ones you go, you've got to be kidding me. You give up four in the bottom of the ninth, and the Brewers come back and walk it off 5-4. Going to try to let that go? Just got, sometimes you feel like you're on the right side. And it doesn't work out that way. That was certainly one of those cases. Uh, very quickly, one of the game out west, it's actually being played rather uh, on the East Coast, and that would be the Nationals against the Reds. And I look at a high total there of 10. You know, the Reds score runs. And a great American small park, it's conducive to scoring runs. And I know the Nationals sometimes don't exactly light up the baseball. Do you, do you get concerned when you have, quote-unquote, two bad teams and a high total of 9.5, 10? I, I don't because, you know, both teams are capable and with these bad bullpens. Anybody can score some runs. But, Dave, I, I tell you, I have not gotten involved in too many games with the Reds this year or the Nationals. The Nationals were a team that I used to get involved with quite a bit when Scherzer was there, a yeah. healthy Strasburg, you know, Zim and uh, Soto in that lineup, but uh, and, of course, Rendon. But haven't really gotten involved in a lot of uh, games with this team this year. One other quick thing before we, we head to break. The Cubs right now lead the Cardinals in the first of two in a double dip, 6-1. to one. They're playing the eighth inning. If the Cubs hold on and win that, do you go zigzag a lot of times in the doubleheaders? Because a lot of times it does feel like you get one, I don't know why, not that you get complacent, but it's like, well, we got that first one in the bag. Maybe we take our foot off the the, the gas pedal, even if it's uh, subconscious. Yeah, it's a great point, Dave, and I I think that's very true. Now, it hasn't been the case as much, but if you go back in like 2016 or 15, there was a year at one stretch, I think, over uh, 22 out of 23 doubleheaders were splits. It's a, it shouldn't. Yeah, you would not think right. it, should, it should be independent going right. to game two. Exactly. But I almost think it's like a an exhale. We got one of the books. We're not getting swept in. I got to check that because I might be remembering wrong. Where twenty two out of twenty three might have been sweeps. I don't remember, but I got. I'm going to find out. We'll find out. I think you're right. I think it's more towards the splits. All right. When we come back, let's talk about game two in the NBA Finals and see if there's life for Golden State still to come. Come on back. It's me, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. 
Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Continuing betting across America, Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw here at Circus Sportsbook. I'm looking up and still Monari Wise list all at eight under par at Jack's place at the Memorial, four back of Billy Horschel, who Amal is on record as saying you would have taken Billy Horschel plus money plus a dollar twenty-five. I like the number you created, right? And that number, by the way, is going to start to go away as the holes (laughs) continue. But right now he's looking really good on a Saturday. And again, like, yes, Molinari, three years ago, class player. Somebody that maybe would scare you. It doesn't scare you as much today. Aaron Wise, a guy who's still young on the PGA Tour. Billy Horschel, this guy won a FedEx. This guy has won big-time events, and this is a big-time event. I do look at Cameron Smith, and I'm going to see if I can get a live number on Cam Smith here. If I look at Cameron Smith, he's five back now, and he still has about eight holes to play. Now, you can get Cameron's, ugh, not, not a good enough number for my liking, plus 750. Remember, Billy Horschel is plus 125. There's no way I could interest you in the Aussie getting hot because he's the guy that scares you now. He's five shots back. I know. That's well, we, well, he's Okay, now he's got one advantage, right? He's got three more holes today, whereas Horschel's through 14. That's right. Smithers through 11. You're looking at 25 um, holes left. you got to make a five shots. I'm not saying it's insurmountable, but that seems like a pretty staggering number. One in every five holes, you've got to be a minus one bet. You've got to be no one mistakes. shot better. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Your margin for error when you're trying to get one of these big comebacks. And again, for me, that's not a good enough number at plus 750 if you want to live bet Cam Smith. Because I know that that's the proclivity for a lot of golf bettors out there in game is, well, Cam Smith was just leading this thing, so he's going to get back up there. Sometimes it starts to go south. It doesn't go back north. I've seen this happen a lot of times, so... Be cautious for Cam Smith that we're just assuming he's going to turn this thing around. I know a lot of people are assuming Golden State's going to turn this thing around tomorrow, game two, right? Tomorrow night. And all of a sudden right now, you look at the number in game two, it's about four. Seen some three and a halfs out there. Golden State was dominant in that game for almost three quarters, okay? And I tweeted out in the third quarter that this has become a must-win situation for Golden State because they had a double-digit lead at the time that I tweeted this, and I said, you can't waste, one, the performance of Steph Curry in game one. Two, a terrible Boston defense through three quarters. And we know they can play really good defense, which, of course, manifested itself in the fourth quarter. And three, Jason Tatum was just an average guy. He wasn't very good in game one. All of those things happened, and Boston won. What hope would you then have for Golden State if you could play that well for three quarters and give it all back up in 12 minutes? And I would say that Tatum wasn't even average. Three for 17 shooting the basketball, really struggled. Um, you know, for me, I, I think it really bodes well if you're Boston. You like your position. Steph played out of his mind. My D- goodness. Dave, when you look at the performance Steph had, and we're not even talking about Clay. Now, Clay didn't play poorly, but he didn't play overwhelmingly great, but he didn't get enough shot attempts up. He was near 500 on his, or uh, 50%, excuse me, shooting. The concern I have if you are Golden State, can you get that type of offensive performance? And I remember looking through the second quarter, and I said, wow, they got a four-point lead? They're in trouble. You yeah. can't shoot at this level and not have a double-digit lead. Now, they got that lead in the third quarter, but give Boston all the credit in the world for outscoring them by 24 in the fourth. And I look at it, too, and, you know, Steph had, what, 20, I think it was 23 or 22 in the first quarter. It was a ridiculous first quarter. He, he I don't want to say only, but he ended up with 34. So the point there is, really, two, three, and four, Boston figured out a way to slow down Steph Curry after that first quarter, which was 
It wasn't Isaiah Thomas, 25 points. It's the most we've ever seen in the history of the NBA Finals when he did that on a broken ankle in L.A. back in the day. By the way, Detroit also lost that game in that series, too. You know, you got 20 out of Williams. You got 15 out of Clay. You only got four to Draymond, but he did give you 11 boards and five assists. What has to change then for Golden State? Because unless Steph has to go superhuman, MVP Steph, and go LeBron James and drag the other guys, I mean, maybe Jordan Poole, but they need something else that they didn't get enough of in game one. Yeah, well, I think we started to realize Jordan Poole isn't as great as everybody else thought he was. Boy, they were right putting that kid. <laughs> it's a third splash, brother. Right? That's what they were saying. Yeah, he's still in the kiddie pool. Okay? <laughs> I mean, let's stay right there. And look, Steph has been phenomenal. But Dave, I'll tell you the one thing, and you know this extremely well, having covered sports for so long. When a team defensively says, hey, we're going to take you out, it's going to be tough. Marcus Smart, Tatum, Brown, Al Horford, these guys can all defend. And when they really want to lock you down, we saw that with Miami. We saw with Boston against them. I mean, it, it, we saw teams struggle offensively, and I think it's a similar scenario which Golden State could face. Outside of Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins, I don't look at Clay and Steph and go, hey, these guys are going to lock me down. Now, Clay's length can create some problems, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I just don't think this Golden State team is quite as good as they've been in years past. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because we talked about it with Mike Peronio. When you look at the MVP conversation, because you're right about Tatum. He was, not, he was not good in game one. He was very average to, to blow average. Jalen Brown was very good. Al Horford was out of this world again. I don't know what, he, what Benjamin Button's doing there, but whatever <laughs> he's taking, I'd like it. Because it's amazing watching this reincarnation of Al Horford. But Derek White was really the guy in the first half. When everything's golden, Golden State's way, he was the guy to me that said, you know what, I'm going to stick my nose in this thing too. And I'm going to give you some really good minutes. And I'm going to give you some offense. And, like, they've got so many different guys that kind of pick it up. Marcus Smart was hitting big shots in that kind of pivotal hold-it-together second and third quarter. Even as Golden State's taking a double-digit lead, it wasn't Jason Tatum. And then in the fourth quarter, Jalen Brown takes over. And then they, they get the others to contribute. Horford is just a stud in that fourth quarter and down the stretch, right? Is it possible? Because I thought Golden State would have more ways to beat Boston, that Boston has, actually has more ways to beat Golden State. I think Boston has more ways to beat Golden State because Golden State's going to be relying on the three-point shot. Boston can win a slow, drawn-out, hard-fought, you know, just a brass-knuckle fight. Absolutely. Whereas I think Golden State's got to beat you somewhat through the offensive end. Not that they're not capable defensively. I feel like um, it's a scenario where Boston says, hey, you want to go up-tempo? Look at that first quarter. You're knocking down shots, we'll go We'll go shot for shot with you. Mm-hmm. And they were able to do that. They struggled in the third quarter. And the Warriors, to their credit, have been the best team in the NBA when you look at the third quarter. But, Dave, I don't know how you can out, get outscored down the stretch the way they did, 20 to 20 to 5. And that was even really misleading because they hit a three-point shot with about 10 seconds remaining. Right. Um, I think it was an 18-0 run for Boston and get outscored 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. I mean, to flip the switch the way the Seas did in game one on the road, down double digits, fourth quarter. I mean, that, that, that is the stuff that you really go. Now, Draymond Green said after the game, that's nah, okay. Don't worry. We'll be fine. Yeah. To paraphrase Draymond. I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get there with Draymond. And it's harder for me to do that objectively <laughs> and go, okay, Draymond, I, I want to pick up what you're putting down. But how? How in the world are you going to be fine? Well, first of all, Draymond Green is delusional. He, he has this belief that he's like the dream shake. Right, like defensively, like listen, if Dream's taking you out, you're done, okay? But he is not that guy. I know he wants to think he's that guy. You know what? He's the guy who's like in the Rolling Stones, who you don't actually know besides Jagger. Yeah, right. Like you're like Keith Richards. Well, we know Keith Richards, but let's say you know that would be like Clay Thompson in this one, right? So who who's? Oh, I don't know any other members. Neither do I. It's kind of it's kind of like you. I bet you Wes Reynolds would know. He would know all those damn stones. (laughs) I apologize, Dave. (laughs) I'll tell I'll tell John Goulet to make sure Wes Reynolds is all here for all six hours because I could use the Saturdays off. No, but that's a good point. You don't pass Richards and Mick. That's it. That's Steph and Clay, and then you start to go. Okay, Draymond. I like to give him credit as being the third Beatle, if you will, in this uh, you know musical analogy here. But he's got a be more than four points. He, you know, he does this when he gets a rebound and put back four <laughs> points. I mean, I need more than that. Charles Gar- Barkley would still the greatest line ever. The triple single. <laughs> I mean, that is such a great line. It is. And it right now it's apropos because as, as much as I, 
I, sometimes I look at Draymond and the way he helps kind of ignite that offense, and I do marvel. And I go, wow, he really is kind of the linchpin. So are they taking away Draymond? Is that the head of the snake here that you think Boston is saying defensively? We're, if we stop Draymond from initiating that offense and getting that movement going, we stop him, then all of a sudden – Everything else kind of slows down. Clay's not the same guy. Steph wasn't the same Steph after the first quarter. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, listen, he couldn't play at that level for an entire no. game. I mean, that, that would be one of the greatest games in the history of the NBA. Uh, but, you know, look, I think St- uh, Draymond's got to do some facilitating on the offensive end. But what they really need is Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins to be the guys that step up. Mm. Or Jordan Poole. Because without them supporting Steph. Steph winds up with 34, but he had 21 through about 20. the first... You had 21 in the first, right? Yeah, but like in the first 14, 15 minutes. Right. I mean, they they need more out of this team overall. And I got to tell you, um, this Boston team is well-constructed in the sense that they, they've got a big in Horford. When you look at Golden State, there's no big man there. I mean, Wiggins is, is not big enough to be considered a big. And by the way, the transformation of Andrew Wiggins to be in a defensive stopper, yeah. that's something I didn't see coming. The number one pick coming out. He's supposed to be a scorer, a wing guy, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden now they look at him for defense. And if he gives you scoring, it's a bonus. That's the way they look at Andrew Wiggins, which is astounding to me because that's not what we thought when you're drafting him number one overall. You think you're getting score. Got into a huge argument with the Mavs head of scouting about Andrew Wiggins. I said I would never take the guy number one. Well, I said he's not a killer. Jonathan Von Tobel is going to join us on the other side. We'll continue this NBA talk and see if there's any life that JVT sees for the Warriors in Game 2. Come on back. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting Across America on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to check VEASAN.com to get the current betting splits data. The betting splits page is going to show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, and now it's updated every 10 minutes so you can see all the changes and all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. So betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Dot com. Back alongside Amal Shaw, I am Dave Ross. This is Betting Across America right here on VEASAN. We were talking about Game 2 tomorrow night yeah. between Golden State and Boston. Who better to talk about it with than our own JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, the host of The Edge and Hardwood Handicappers right here on VEASAN. Uh, Jonathan, great to have you back in the program. Thanks for joining us here on Saturday. You know, and Amal and I were just kicking it around. You know, Draymond Green said after Game 1, we're going to be just fine. Don't worry about us. Everything's good here. And I'm trying to get there with them, JVT, but should there be panic for Golden State when you play that well for three quarters, Steph is out of this world in the first quarter, and you still can't get that win at home in game one? Yeah, I don't know. If, excuse me. I don't know if panic is the right term, Dave, but like they should not be like the nonchalant nature of Draymond Green after the game, I thought was <laughs> relatively surprising. And it's not like I want to come out, want him to come out and be like, oh, man, man, we're screwed. Um, but you know, he had a, he had a line in there too, where he said they dominated you know, most of the game. They didn't. They, the second quarter, they lost that second quarter. They were smothered in the second quarter. The Boston Celtics forced seven turnovers. They held Steph Curry scoreless. Uh, the, the fourth quarter was not like the lone like aberration in that game. In game one, the Celtics had multiple quarters in which they looked extremely good. And after one game, and or excuse me, one quarter in which they were working out some miscommunications on Steph Curry and the way they were defending him, I think there was that clip of Marcus Smart uh, telling him on the sideline, like, "Hey, man, this isn't Miami." Stop dropping on the pick and roll. Let's start showing on that a little bit more. And they did. Like you saw the adjustments that they made, and like it, it was it was a game in which Boston didn't play that well, but it also wasn't one in which Golden State dominated, like Draymond Green alluded to. And I, I think it's also short sighted to sit that look at that game and go, yeah, you know what? They're not going to shoot like that again. Well, are they going to hold you scoreless for five consecutive minutes again? Because that was the other part of the equation, right? It wasn't just the three-point shooting like they were trading buckets. If you look at some of the numbers, guys, in the first three quarters of that game, uh, the uh, Boston Celtics switched the pick and roll 18% of the time. In the fourth quarter, they switched it 29% of the time. That was an adjustment. That was a change. So that's why the Warriors were held scoreless in that fourth quarter for such a long stretch and why they were kind of relegated to Curry just working one-on-one against Biggs and trying to get something going So I think it's really short-sighted to just look at that game and go, that Boston's not going to shoot like that again. 
They did incredible stuff, multiple quarters in that game defensively. And you can just throw in, just sprinkle in the fact that I don't think Jason Tatum's going to go, what was he, three of 17 from the floor again? I just thought it was a really weird way to look at it if you're just focusing on the shooting for Boston. First of all, JVT, I love the uh, statistical information you have on the pick and pop and all these different things. I think it's so key to when you look at these games in the breakdown. Um, You know, you made a lot of compelling arguments for Boston. I tend to be with you here. Here's my argument against Golden State. I want to get your take on this. Steph shoots out of his mind in the first quarter and a half. They've got about a four to six point working margin, not enough of a lead for their shooting percentage. Boston comes back. You referenced, and I said this the day before you came on, the three for 17 is disconcerting if you're Jason Tatum, but he can't play any worse. No, You lose at home, you get outscored by 24 in the fourth quarter. I mean, their best player has his worst game. Your best player has his best game. How does Golden State really turn things around? I mean, I'm not saying they're not capable, but I'm looking at it just from a pragmatic standpoint that, hey, they did many things right and still lost. I would agree with that, Amal. And and again, like this is a a team that is littered with guys who have done it before. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, we can go down the list. The the problem is when you're looking at it from an analysis standpoint, what you're doing is just going, "Ah, you know what? Jordan Poole's just got to be better. Well, it's easy to be, it's it's easy to say that Jordan Poole's got to be better, but how do you be better, right? Like, how does he get better when, when you're talking about like, again, talking about how Boston has been defending this stuff. If they're switching everything, he's going to have 6'4 Marcus Smart in front of him, then 6'6 Jalen Brown or 6'8 Jason Tatum. And sure, you know what? Uh, Let's go with Al Horford and he can switch on to him. Al Horford's athletic enough where he's not going to be at a massive disadvantage against a guy like a Jordan Poole. And here's the other thing that the Celtics have all unlocked in that game, which I think you're going to see of going forward. Zach Lowe had this great stat. In the 16 minutes in which they played one big, whether it was Robert Williams or Al Horford, they were plus 31 in that game. So if they're going to go small, they're going to be able to switch one through four. And all of a sudden, they're going to get even more comfortable on the defensive end of the floor. So, like, I'm with you. Look, I am a person that has invested in the Celtics in multiple ways. I have confidence in them in this series. And I don't mean to sell the Warriors short. But when you're talking about changing things offensively, you're just looking around going, player X has to be better. But that is easier said than done when you're looking at the way the Celtics have been defending the Warriors and how they can defend the Warriors. The the Warriors aren't a mismatch hunting team. The Warriors and their off-ball stuff. That's hard to guard against, but the Celtics are built to do it. I'm with you that this is this is a little bit of a tougher road than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for for the Golden State Warriors in the series. You know, you brought up Robert Williams, and he goes four for four in game number one, has 8.6 rebounds, and to me, a key stat, four block shots, doesn't include alterations. Mm-hmm. I look at Golden State, there's no real big man in there. You know, Williams creates such a problem for you at the rim, doesn't give you that easy uh, layup or easy shot. You know... I look at Boston. They got so many different guys that can defend in so many different ways. Marcus Smart, Brown, Williams, Horford. If you're to pick the series right now, number of games, and there's some interesting options out there. A friend of mine called me up today. And he goes, "Hey, about the season at seven to one to sweep." Whoa. He goes, "If they win game two, he goes, are we really coming back to San Francisco?" So I, I would think that. So I have a ticket them all before the series started. I bet the Celtics to win at five at nine, like, like nine to one or nine fifty. Love that. Uh, um, and I, and I think that like to me for for the official article up on the website, I picked Celtics in six. But after watching what happened in Game One and, and like the things that I had confidence in transpiring on the court in that game, I think five is a fair number here to look at this for the Celtics to end it in if they're going to play to their level defensively. Because here's the thing for Boston, uh, we have seen multiple times now. For example, Eastern Conference Finals, this should not have been a seven game series. It frankly just should not have been. But they allowed it to be with the way that they played in multiple games. Uh, I think it was a Game Three, Game Six. Those are those are not results that you should have when you're a team in the position that the Celtics were in that series against Miami. So that does worry me a little bit. But if you're talking about the way that this team can play on the defensive end, the way that they're built, guys, there's a reason why the Celtics are the lone franchise in the Steve Kerr era to have a winning record against Golden State. It's mm-hmm. because they are built to play the Warriors. And so I think, Amal, like just watching the way that this has gone down in the first game, they are perfectly capable of ending in about five games. I'm not sure about the sweep. I sure. still believe enough in, in Golden State to be able to pull this off. And Curry just going nuclear one game would offset that and bring that back to San Francisco. <laughs> but but I do think they're capable of making this a short series. Absolutely. You mentioned Steve Kerr here at JVT, and it's interesting because Ime Adoka, it feels like nobody really talks about the job he's done in year number one as a head coach when Brad Stevens decided to go upstairs uh, last year after their uh, season ended has he done adjust? Did he do adjustments in the fourth quarter to flip that script, or does Steve Kerr really have to figure out? All right, in this game of chess right now, you know, Ime might be playing uh, chess, and I'm playing checkers over here. 
Oh, it, like the, the ball's in the court of Steve Kerr to figure some things out. Like Ime Udoka, I mentioned the, the switching numbers, Dave. Like that, that was the adjustment. It was we're going to switch these pick and rolls more. We are going to take our two bigs off the floor and we're going to play with one. That gives us even more switchability. Now we can switch one through five if we're feeling comfortable. And they were doing that. Uh, and Udoka, I think, is I, I'm curious what he's going to roll with as a starting lineup for game number two. Is he going to go back to his dual big set without Horford and Robert Williams? Or is he going to come out and say, you know what, like we were really good with that smaller lineup. Let's start with that and go from there. So I'm curious how he does it. But no, this is on Kerr now to figure things out. You know, do we see Gary Payton again? Because while Gary Payton was supposedly healthy and Gary Payton the second, um, he, he, there was also many reports and, and some of his quotes. He didn't sound healthy and comfortable at all with that elbow. And it's also figuring out some of these lineups. You know, I wasn't a fan of Draymond Green and Andre Guadalla on the floor together. There was a segment in the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter where they both caught the ball on the perimeter with a defender six feet or farther away. And they passed up wide open three point looks for an extra pass. Those lineups aren't really effective from an offensive standpoint. So Kerr's, it's definitely in Kerr's court right now. He's got some things to figure out and he's a great coach and he's going to. Uh, but it's definitely, I would say, looking at Steve Kerr to make the adjustments and make the changes here. You know, you mentioned, uh, I love the point you brought up, Dave, about Ime Udoka. He has not gotten enough credit, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely right. JVT, if you were to point to one thing, in your opinion, that could maybe swing this series for Golden State, what would it be just uh, outside of Steph playing out of his mind? Because I tell you, Clay seems to me he's not the same Clay that he was three, four years ago. No, he's not, and he's working his way back them all still, and I would agree with that assessment, especially on defense. I'll say this, um, you know, kind of growing on the point or building on the point of the Celtics kind of shooting themselves in the foot, Boston guys was 26th in net rating in clutch minutes in the regular season. That means games within five points, five fewer, uh, five or fewer minutes to go. They were actually outscored by 9.5 points per 100 possessions. Their offensive rating in those situations, 97.7. It's a very poor offensive rating. In the postseason, they were only 6-4. and four. They were 13-22, and 22, by the way, in the regular season. Games that entered clutch minutes. So, again, so essentially what I'm saying is if these games are tight, I would believe in Golden State to execute slightly better down the stretch, and I think that's what gets them back in this series small. Like, making these games tight, making them one-possession games down the stretch of a fourth quarter and out executing a Boston team that has shown since the regular season they have a problem with doing that. JVT, we got about 25 seconds. Real quick, the Warriors were very turnover-prone in their previous two series. Any concerns from a Golden State offensive perspective that they get back to that? They weren't bad in game one. I think so, just because they do it. It's like self-inflicted wounds and all, but Boston's not exactly like a turnover-prone defense. They're not going to get super aggressive in the passing lanes and force a bunch of turnovers, so as long as they keep themselves from committing mistakes, they should be fine in this series. David T., really appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on with us on a Saturday. Stay healthy, my friend. We'll catch up with you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Jonathan Nantolo, the host of The Edge and Hardwood Handicappers. When we come back, let's talk some French Open tomorrow. Is there is there anything with Casper Ruud that could intrigue you? No, but I want to talk about Uday Osborne. We'll talk about that, too. Come on back. It's Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rivalry every rematch Every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. 
and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN is the best way to wager on any sporting event, including tennis. You can enjoy it like never before. Download the BetMGM app, place a $10 money line wager on the tennis tournament in Paris. If any player records an ace in their match, you're going to win 2 bucks in free bets. Just use the bonus code VSIN200 when you make your very first wager. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets. If any player records an ace in their tennis match in Paris. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Back alongside the Shaw, I am Dave Ross, and we got a winner. We lost with Fleece Herrig against Karolina Kovacavich. But we told you about O'Day Osborne, don't be seduced by the steam. Don't worry about it. Maybe you didn't get the best number. I got it at minus $1.85. Closes about minus 225. And whoa, did he put on a show. I love Dave's humility. He says, we, just because I'm riding shotgun, I had nothing to do with it. You know, you fall asleep sometimes in the car and you wind up at the destination. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. But I want to go back to this O'Day Osborne fight. Mm-hmm. I happen to look up 61 seconds. He takes care of business. Um, you call it, Dave. Went from 185 to 210. Boy, that's a great bet. 61 seconds. My goodness. I'm sitting there sweating this Rangers uh, Mariners <laughs> for nine innings. I got it under nine here. A minute uh, to get that's all you need. One Otto's minute. walking everybody left and right. But <laughs> the bottom line is the one thing I want to go to, though, if you guys saw this fight, I thought the stoppage should have been far sooner, Dave. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he hit him, he got wobbled. He did. And you could tell he looked like he was, you know, Matthew McConaughey, dazed and confused. <laughs> and, you know, he comes in there and throws a flurry of punches. You know what's interesting to me, and I, I want to get your take on this as well. When they're hitting them, like, close range, yes. the punches don't seem as severe as you could see. So, I mean, like, if you had a boxer in that scenario, I, the guy's done in two shots. These guys, I don't know, I don't understand that. Well, and again, it is the, the fighter, like, Ode Osborne, like maybe you would say four unnecessary strikes, yeah. but the problem is this is like the Jorge Masvidal line. Oh no, super necessary because it's your job as a fighter to keep punching until they stop it. And so what's happened a lot, and we've talked a lot about refereeing and a lot about scoring today on the show. Certainly if you're an MMA or boxing better, you need to take this stuff into account because it is the job of the referee to protect that fighter. And in this case, I'm with you. I felt like he got over there a little bit late. So again, you want to, you're trying to give the fighter the benefit of the doubt, and maybe he can't see how vicious that first shot was to get him down to the to the yeah. octagon and down to the mat. And then Osborne just hopped on him very quickly. The first shot after his opponent went down, he was out, out cold, and probably three or four more punches that were unnecessary. Not to Osborne's fault, and it's and I don't want to be too critical of the referee, but it is your job to recognize once that fighter has had enough, and clearly he had enough. And he took three or four more shots that we would like in a perfect world, and it's not perfect, that you don't take to get that knockout victory in, in, in 61 seconds. So those are the type of things. Like, you know, 61 seconds makes me think of, you know, 91 seconds, I believe it was, from Michael Spinks and Mike Tyson back in the day, right? And, you know, all of a sudden you take that first shot, and Michael Spinks rolls back, and his eyes roll back. Now, I remember watching that fight live, and I'm going, get up. Mills Lane stopped that fight immediately. Why? Because he sees the fighter and the condition of the fighter in that very moment. And so you go, there's, there's no like, hey, let's stand him up and see if he gets his legs about him. 
you, you try to do as best a job you can to get in quickly to protect the fighter, like in this Ode Osborne incident that we just saw, but it's not the fighter's responsibility. No, no, no. I, nothing on Osborne. Yep. Uh, I'm criticizing the official yes. here. And one of the things I said to you in the commercial break for that applies to boxing and to um, MMA is I think the referees, even if sometimes there's an earlier stoppage than should be there, it serves the greater good of the fighter. No question. I'd rather have a fighter take a loss than take a real loss. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, that way, if you get a, a quick decision, if you will, yeah. and people go, oh my God, like, you know, I was talking about with Tank Davis against yeah. Romero from last week. Right. And I thought Romero could have gone on what turned out to be 10 more seconds of the round, see if he has his legs. And if he can't, hey, look, he stands up to begin the next round, the, the seventh round, or sixth, and he can't walk forward, you stop the fight, and there's no more punishment taken. But, but looking back, I don't have a problem with the referee stopping the fight when he did because that's, that's where you want to err on. You want to err on the side of caution to say, Romero had had enough. Tank Davis is ready to hop all over him once I let him go. And even though there might only be 10 seconds left in the round, and again, referees will tell you, like I talked about earlier, the, the 1990 classic between Melji Taylor and Julio Cesar Chavez, where the fight was stopped with two seconds to go in the 12th and final round. So even theoretically, if they say fight, there'll be no more punches thrown. But Richard Steele, on, I'll never forget what Richard Steele said after the fight. They said, they said you don't think he could have gone two more seconds? He goes, I'm not the timeskeeper. My job is not to keep time. It's a great response. My job is to look into the eyes of that fighter and determine. He goes, and when I've seen, he was talking to Larry Merchant at the time. He said, Larry, when I've seen a fighter taken off, I'm going to call the fight. And that's what he did on that day. And to your point, um, John Brown and I watched it during the commercial break. And I got to tell you, I thought it was the right call. I thought Taylor looked like he didn't know what time. It, listen. And that's, it, that's a fighter it, that won 11 and a half rounds. If it was, doesn't matter what round, let's say there's a minute 20 left in the round. The fight has stopped. Nobody's got a complaint. Right. Hey. That, that's the hard part for historians to go. Melody Taylor back in that day in 1990 would have become the undisputed champion. He was undefeated, Olympic gold medalist, and now he's going to win his first title against Julio Cesar Chavez. And by the way, if you wonder why Chavez Jr. gets so much flack in the fight game, because of who his daddy was. <laughs> that's why when you watch a guy like Chavez Sr. pull that fight out in dramatic fashion with a right hand, to drop Meldrick Taylor with 20 seconds to go in the 12th and final round. That's the stuff of legend. Well, and his son never quite lived up to that. Well, I don't think Junior should get as much criticism. It goes back to the old Pete Carrill line, the old Princeton coach. Never recruited a kid from a three-car garage home. It's a problem because daddy didn't come from that. That's exactly right. But his kid did. Uh, we'll keep you updated what's going on there uh, at UFC uh, Vegas 56 as that continues. But by the way, again, I look up. Hey, Cameron Smith made a birdie. So he gets it to eight under, right? We're going, all right. So he's going to cut into that lead. No, no, no. Horseshoe's made another birdie, too. So Billy Horschel right now is at 13 under par. So he plays the 17th. So Cam Smith still has a couple more extra holes to play here. And again, I'm not trying to discount Luke List, who's four back. But I don't know if I'm going to be jumping into the window to go get Luke List tomorrow on a live number, uh, even if he's second uh, when we get to the clubhouse. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Francisco Molinari, minus seven right now at 17, six shots back. Mm. What is a number for you outside a list? Because you want somebody like a Cam Smith who's got the capability. You're concerned about list. How does he play the final 18? That's right. What is a number with to you from two points of view? One, that if a Cam Smith or Molinari are within range of that you feel comfortable taking the dog. And second, what's a price on Horschel? that you would say, hey, I would bet him with this four-shot lead if he finishes out and we stay where we are right now. I wish when me and you were talking about 30 minutes ago, yeah. we had hopped on the price tag of Billy Horschel then yeah. when he was plus $1.25 because that's the right number, to your point, gotcha. with a four-shot lead over Luke List, five-shot lead over Cam Smith. Cam Smith's the guy, obviously, I'd be watching in the rear view if I'm Billy Horschel. That number is gone, and I told you it would go. He's now minus $1.40, Billy Horschel, to win this tournament tomorrow because he only has two more holes to play. And he's been playing stellar golf here. And again, Luke List, here to this point, it's a great point, Amal, Amal, that you just made. Cameron Smith right now is the second betting favorite, even though he's in third place tied with Aaron Wise at eight under par, five shots off. Cam Smith is plus 650. You know what Luke List is? He, by the way, is at nine under par, only four back. Luke List is 18 to one. I was going to say nine or 10 to one. 18. Wow. That's, that's the pedigree of either in the fight game and individual sports right? Where you get the individual combatant and or golfer in this case. So who can go low? Can Luke List go out tomorrow 
and shoot a 65-7? Probably not. Can Cam Smith? Yeah. Cam Smith's got the firepower. So even though you're a shot back, look at those odds and look at the discrepancy there. 18-1 to versus a guy that's plus 650. I think this is a two-horse race, and no pun intended. Uh, Billy Horschel is at minus 13 at 16, and Smith at minus 8 through 14. List is also level with Horschel in number of holes played at 16, but he's four back. You look at Wise through 17 and Molinari through 17. So, Dave, they don't even have the additional two holes to potentially make up. No. So that's why I feel like if you look at Horschel right now, what's the price for you tomorrow on Billy Horschel that you say, hey, I'm taking this guy at this price? Even money. If you could get me even money and you said to, to win the tournament, mm-hmm. then I'd take it. Minus $1.50, it's going up. It's going in the wrong direction as Billy's getting ready to close out his round. You mentioned Francesco Molinari. Francesco Molinari, three years ago, when Tiger Woods won at Augusta in 2019, right? Molinari was tied with Tiger. Molinari was the guy with Brooks Kepka back then, just three years ago. That was the class player in the world. That was the British Open champion. That was the, Molinari was top five player in the world. You know what his odds are right now as he stands six shots off the lead of I'm, Billy Horschel? I want to say probably 15, 16 to one. 30 to one. Wow. It is incredible the way or lack of respect. It doesn't take a lot. For a guy like Francesco Molinari, who was once regarded as one of the best players in the world, to now be 30 to 1 to make this comeback. I'm not betting it either. <laughs> when we come back, we will talk French Open and whether or not there's a live dog scenario or not. Come on back. Betting Across America, right here in Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.